The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. Juan is a recovering MarTech consultant turned creator who writes an amazing weekly newsletter about the MarTech industry. And I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. All right, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. Hello, hello, marketeers. We are back for episode two, round two, with Rohit Maheswaran. He's the co-founder and chief product officer at LifeSite. You didn't catch our episode yesterday. We talked about the importance and the popularity of marketing mix modeling and how it's going back to the future and offering marketers new ways to find insight in their media spending. Today, we are taking a shift and talking about the landscape of data right now online. There's been a lot of challenges for marketers, particularly from a regulation and a death of cookie perspective, where the landscape of data is changing. We're going into a privacy-first era online. And so Rohit has a bunch of insights into how you can optimize media and find those insights in a privacy-first era. So this is episode two with Rohit Maheswaran. He is the co-founder and chief product officer at LifeSite. Welcome back, Rohit. Really great to have you back on the podcast. Thank you, Juan. Nice to be back. Okay. So does the privacy-first era scare you? I'm talking to a lot of marketers and a lot of people building technologies in the analytics space, and it almost feels like there's this doom and gloom surrounding the industry right now. It's scary. There's a lot of regulation change, even from the European government. We've seen the, the Digital Services Act and the Digital Markets Act, again, shift up privacy. We've had GDPR about five years ago. California's CCPA is ramping up. In all different parts of the world, there's just been a regulatory and a tech platform shift in how we're thinking about data. But I want to kick us off and ask, how do you feel about these changes? Are you welcoming them? Are they making you nervous? I'd like to know. Definitely welcoming it. It's about time. Advertising used to work even before this time. Everyone knows advertising works, even before tracking came about and all of that. So nothing really changed in that sense, right? So advertising is still advertising. The doom and gloom and the scare comes because attribution will stop working how it used to work. 
And so when I say attribution, tracking-based methodologies, that's what's changing and that's what's scaring marketers today, I believe. And the change and not knowing how to navigate the future as well is another big problem. Not to mention these changes are coming like rapidly and very randomly as well, because you got the legal changes at one end, which are just being rolled out to all countries in the world, many countries already. And then you have the tech side of things, right? So browsers just randomly blocking cookies and, and stuff like that. And it's good to keep up with it, but you definitely need to be quite an expert on how to navigate around these changes while it's still happening. So we're looking out into the future. In 2024, we've got Google that will, in phases, start to shift third-party cookies away. A report from earlier this year from martech.org suggests when they went out and surveyed their community of marketers said that around 70% of their surveyed audience of marketers have not found, well, haven't shifted to an alternative format for targeting and tracking outside of third-party cookies. And so it seems like next year is going to change a lot in the industry, particularly because Google Chrome's browser is the most well-known and well-used browser on the internet. And so what do you anticipate for next year? What are you kind of planning for as you continue to serve marketers with LifeSite? So I think the big topic is around first-party data, not relying on someone else's data to run accurate marketing, right? Accurate targeting of your type of customers. So obviously the giants have the upper hand here. Google's and Facebook's of the world, they have their first-party data, which is their own customer base, which reaches almost every consumer in the world. So that upper hand is always that the open internet is the one that's going to suffer. But in essence, building out what we call first-party identity and first-party data strategy is where it's all at. Brands today need to put 100% of their focus on ensuring their data is owned by them and not sitting in some other platform. Obviously, their customer is sitting on Google and Facebook and all of that, but the ability to reach some of their own customers using either paid or owned channels, that's number one and should be at top of mind. And then, of course, focusing on data quality as well. I come from the third-party measurements space over the past six years. So we are doing things like footfall attribution and offline sales attribution and all where the just doing it on the open internet is just not possible. Where else we kind of provided that alternative data to be able to measure this, right? So someone like LiveRamp, for example, does this, TransUnion and so on and so forth, Nielsen's of the world. So yeah, we play in that space, but that space is being affected because of the loss of cookies. But there are still other alternative identity graphs that have been built up, like Trade Desk's UID2, which is running off hashed emails, for example, and so on and so forth. Experian has theirs and all of that. In essence, while that space is adapting, third-party data going away is a common misconception that it's completely going away. It's not, right? Just the cookies are going away and just the way it's used on browsers is going away. That's where marketers need to shift the way of how they do things and put a lot of focus and start getting more data-driven in the true sense and not relying on the platforms completely. So does that mean that, as you alluded to earlier, is that the open web is going away in a sense because third-party cookies allowed open programmatic advertising? And increasingly, I'm seeing that marketing budgets are shifting away from programmatic to into walled gardens, larger platforms with a lion's share of that first-party enriched data. Does this mean that we're kind of facing a space where every single website or every major website you have to log into <laughs> to access, you know, we have these sort of fiefdoms or kingdoms on the, on the web instead of this open environment where most things are free and available? What does this do to the fracturing of media? What do you think? 
I think the open internet is not going away for sure. I mean, it's definitely going to be around because it offers this open space, right? Where, you know, things like CTV and other media forms can be bought programmatically. And in essence, everyone is trying to collect more first-party data, right? So the publishers themselves, instead of just tracking the user without any consent, is now going to get more concerned about that. But in essence, yeah, I, I think uh, it's always going to be there. I guess the shift is definitely looking at the trends that we see today. They're definitely losing market share to the giants again. But in essence, I don't see it going away at all. Now, with regards to the ID graphs that are out there for the open internet, that's what's going to be changing now, right? Like I mentioned earlier, the reliance on third-party cookies will be completely zero. Mobile ad IDs are still in the graph, essentially. The ability to leverage mobile-based identifiers, of course, in the consent-based so unlike cookies, which just immediately fired as soon as you went to the site, mobile-based identifiers a bit more deeper, right? As you probably know, you have to give consent to be tracked on the mobile app. That's another good identifier for the open internet. And of course, then that matched with hashed emails and all of that is something that the industry is using today. So I think it's going to be around for the foreseeable future and it's all going to be consent-based. That's where the essence of it comes into play. The very essence of privacy is to be able to give consent to use your data in order to consume free content. So I think we'll have more people doing signups and consent-based stuff. But yeah, that's definitely not going to go away. <laughs> hmm. And yesterday we unpacked mixed media modeling and also incremental testing and the few ways that marketers are sort of doing measurement in a world that's increasingly private. But what are your thoughts? There is a balance there between, well, marketers need to substantiate that the work they're doing is leading to some outcomes when the money they're putting into media is actually getting results. And that's going to be an everlasting need in business. And it makes sense to do that. And we have the tools to be able to do that. However, marketers need to increasingly think about the customer experience of privacy and exactly what they're targeting and using. So how, how do you see marketers strike that balance between doing that personalization, doing that relevant targeting and that data collection while respecting consumers' privacy. As long as it's their first-party data, I think they have to have very strict consent and the ability to manage that consent using a platform. They can't be sitting down and doing it manually in any shape or form like how they used to do. So not just using a simple CRM, probably implementing some kind of CDP-based thing where when you get an opt-out signal, you can actually move that signal downstream to your advertising platform to remove the person from targeting, for example. And also then be able to use all of the wealth of data they have about their customer and enrich it with further details. So being able to collect more zero-party data, being able to also enrich it with sometimes third-party data as well, matching with hashed emails as opposed to matching it with cookies, obviously and be able to then build out a wider pool of identities, being able to identify anonymous users, right? So the same user coming back to your website, but not logged in, you should be able to persist that data longer in their browser and stuff like that. So trying to build a very solid data foundation, I think is number one, because what you need to have be able to do is activate all of the data in marketing channels, as well as ad channels in the most efficient way. That's where I see that piece marketers needing to have that solid foundation. And of course, then using all the possible tools in the tool bag, right? There's this whole process of re-education of sorts that's happening in essence. Obviously, attribution and tracking-based methodologies were came about from the late 2010s from the fact that the digital platforms were taking off at that time. And then they said, this is the way you should be doing things and these are the most effective places to advertise your business. But all of those other tools are still in those platforms today. Facebook has a conversion lift, a measurements tool. They have MMM now as well. 
and all of those things. So marketers need to get familiar with it and start thinking beyond just attribution. So I think it needs to be simplified for them because most marketers are non-technical. So helping marketers be able to leverage these tools in a non-technical way or no-code way of sorts is where I think it's at. So yeah, every tool or every methodology has its pros and cons. So they have to get comfortable with knowing those pros and cons and knowing that some of these outputs are not going to be certain and some of these outputs are not going to be deterministic like what they're used to but it's eventually going to pay off in the long run. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. That's really exciting. And I think that the, the bit here that we've kind of not really focused on a lot in marketing is the consent aspect. And it's the definition of consent and the ongoing management of consent from a consumer's perspective. We've kind of looked, obviously, because marketers are after outcomes, their perspective on data for a long time has been, how do we use this data to maximize our ROI in our media, in our campaigns, in our websites, our conversions, and our insights? But the consent bit is becoming more interesting. I mean, I mean, we just did a, at the MarTech Weekly, we just did a piece of research and we're finding that roughly 60 to 40% of consumers across different countries are clicking no, explicitly clicking no on cookie consent banners. So for marketers in analytics and being able to use that data, they're basically taking 50% discount on the data they used to have before cookie banners and before those sort of consent tools are in. So have you seen marketers use different methodologies to collect, make up that other 50% and to try and motivate customers to share more data? Does that play a big role in how we think about the collection and use of consented data? Yeah, absolutely. I think every website is different, right? Uh, A news website will be different from an e-commerce website. Obviously, you can say opt into our newsletters. Uh, E-commerce site would probably say get 10% off your first purchase and stuff like that. But data collection is a must. Consent is a must, right? At the end of the day, the trend is the generation of digital consumers today. They're completely open to sharing their data. So if the brands get very creative with collecting the data, 
I've seen any which number of ways to, that they use to collect zero-party data and first-party data. And all of these methodologies work, and it's all about getting that initial consent, and then after that, you're good to go. Once someone says okay to receiving marketing and promotions, then everything is clear after that. So I think getting very creative with how you do things rather than just relying on them clicking a cookie banner is going to be the differentiator. Yeah, I mean, the cookie banner is a bit of a stain on the industry. I mean, it's annoying. People ignore it. Consent is fuzzy anyway. It wastes people's time. And then sometimes they implement it inappropriately or with UX dark patterns or it kind of tricks people into consent. There's just so many problems with it. But the reason why we haven't got something better is because it's very hard to get something better where every website has to get consent from consumers somehow. And when they visit a website or visit an app, they have to do it. And so it's a real challenge, I think, right now is that the consumer experience is also impacted by this, which also has an adverse impact on the brand and also the ROI from marketing efforts. But I wanted to bring this one home. Perhaps you can help me bro here with like a concrete example of maybe perhaps there's a marketer that is using LifeSite or that you've seen out in the industry where them and their team have just trailblazed in this space, right? They've been able to successfully balance managing consent, managing consumer privacy, but also getting the results in the insights they need for successful media buying. Have you got an example that's just juicy, like something that's just really inspiring marketers trailblazing in this space? I think one of the largest retail groups, brand house of brands, is using LifeSite end-to-end. And essentially, they are using everything, right? They are omnichannel as well. They have online e-commerce as well as retail stores. And what we're seeing is a marketer truly honing in on their first-party data. So being able to move all of their e-commerce sales data, move all of their offline POS data, and then be able to then enrich all of the data with our stack and then be able to do better data activation across all the channels. And that essentially is like the data foundation that they've, they've set up first. So when it comes to match rates using our tool, the marketers in that team is seeing upwards of 50% improvement in their accuracy of reach of the customer base. Instantly, their cost per acquisition drops by a significant amount, like 30%. And then they immediately see their ROAS go up right after that. And not to mention after that, they could actually cut their marketing budgets and be able to still maintain their growth in sales. So yeah, a lot of savings from our marketing mix modeling, as well as a lot of improved outcomes from just attribution alone is something that this group is seeing. So there's the match rates because it's kind of balancing both. Do they have different teams in that example where you may have your consent and your trust and safety team working with the marketing analytics team? How does it work from people actually working together to make sure that's privacy safe, but also effective? They have a data team who's in charge of compliance and managing all of their customers' data. So in terms of data privacy and security and integrity, everything flows through our CDP all of the consent that comes from their website, those signals are automatically moved from the consent management tool that they're using right down into our CDP and it updates the customer profile. So if the user has opted in just for marketing, that means only for emails, then we get that message, right? And if they opted out from advertising, then they are opted out from any retargeting campaign, for example. So all of that signals are stored within the customer profile. And the data team has visibility into this, right? So they can actually see a trend of how many profiles have opted in, opted out, and so on and so forth. And then they get random opt-outs from the marketing platforms. People unsubscribing from emails and stuff like that. All of that as well comes into play. And then when it's activated, the segments are kept fresh always. So the signals are automatically removing people from segments and adding people into segments when doing that. 
as well as then using the data for measurements. So for attribution as well, if you don't opt in for analytics for measurements use cases, then you're also removed from those. It covers the entire spectrum and the data team's job is to sit with the marketer and essentially make sure that all activities that they're doing with regards to their marketing is covered under their policies. Wow, that's excellent. Okay, so Rohit, that has been a fascinating conversation. We've dived into what's keeping you up at night, and we followed that through to thinking about where's the future going and how a market is actually responding to the balance of a private web where consumers want more control and clarity around how their data is being used while still trying to grow their brands with that data that they collect. Not an easy time, very, very challenging, but if you'd like to get in touch with Rohit, you can find his link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact him on Twitter where his handle is at Rohit Ma, or you can visit his company website at lifeside.io. This is Rohit Maheswaran from LifeSite. He is the chief product officer and co-founder of LifeSite. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Juan. It's been great talking to you. Look forward to speaking again. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. If you'd like to get in touch with Juan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Juan Mendoza, but it's spelled crazy pants. It's J-U-4-N-M-E-N-D-0-Z-4. Or it's a little easier to just visit his company's website, which is themartechweekly.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletters and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.